Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do where I try to bring you interesting interviews with really cool people who have companies that are making an impact and that are doing cool things with those businesses. And hopefully they're going to share a little bit of information that's going to help inspire you, whether you already have a company or whether you're sitting there thinking, "Mm, I really would like to get out of the race and start my own thing. And today I have with me Greg Merrill. And Greg actually wears lots of hats. We could have just read his bio for the entire half hour with all the things he's done and then all the different companies that he's involved in. But right now he is the senior vice president of Austin Rubber Company and the senior vice president of Austin Footwear Labs. And I find both of these companies very, very interesting. So I want to hear about both of them. So we're just going to jump in and start chatting with Greg. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. Great to be here. So why don't you start off? Give us a little background before you got to these two companies, because you've had kind of an eclectic life. And tell us a little bit about your journey that got you here. And then I want to hear about both of these organizations. Absolutely. So I was a a Navy brat, moved all around the world. Um, My father was a, a, a Navy... Uh, anesthesiologist. So um, I, I had the chance to meet all sorts of random people around the world of all different shapes, sizes, colors, and um, ended up uh, settling down in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area where I finished up my schooling, uh, studied kinesiology, University of Maryland, and then uh, did my MBA through Johns Hopkins. Um, after, I guess, starting in undergrad, I um, And doing the kinesiology route, I started working in gyms and I spent about 10 years managing uh, both personal training and entire gyms and the operations facilities there. Uh, That's sort of, you know, been one of my longtime passions is just the health and fitness industry. Back in 2007, as I was finishing up my MBA, I sort of uh, uh, shifted gears a little bit and was lucky enough to get involved with a couple guys that um, we were putting together a, a small group that we weren't sure what it was going to look like, but it sort of blossomed into uh, a sort of a multi-dimensional, um, you know, list of companies that um, all have something to do with one another. But you know, really, if you you can hold any one of them on their own, so so that's really that's that's what the goal was. So that leads us to Austin Rubber Company. Am I correct? Absolutely. And actually taking, you know, starting kind of at the 30,000 foot view above Austin Rubber, back in 2007, we started Green Source Holdings. And that was the original group that, you know, me and five other guys, there was a a small group of six of us that was really a group of of business and finance guys and um, inventors, chemical engineers. And um, Green Source was put in place to take some of these early technologies that were all sort of green related, hence the name, the word green in the name, and develop them to explore how we could commercialize these technologies. The plan originally was just to uh, do the research and develop and, and, and commercialize them, but then just to hand them off, license them to somebody and not get involved in anything else. Early on, one of our core technologies was a rubber devulcanization technology, which was really basically an idea on a, on a napkin at that point. These uh, inventors had sort of come across an accidental discovery and they, they, they thought there was potential. And so I sort of grabbed that one by the horns 
and that was that was my technology of the five original and it just sort of spiraled you know not really out of control it was just it was growing so fast that before we could even find a partner to license the technology to i said you know look guys it really makes sense for us to just go ahead and manufacture this devulcanized uh, recycled rubber, which we, we source from scrap tires. So there's a, a environmental and a sustainability play there as well, which is really kind of the heart of the company came from this, um, this sort of eco-friendly, sustainable, you know, doing things that people are currently doing now, but doing them cleaner. So Austin Rubber was launched about three and a half years ago to be a, a subsidiary of Green Source, which would be you know the manufacturing arm to produce um, APX. And then the third piece of that, which is more recent, is AFL, Austin Footwear Labs. And that was sort of a accidental discovery as well. At Austin Rubber, most of my customers are uh, tire manufacturers and footwear manufacturers. Um, I spent a lot of time in the footwear industry um, I'm over in the Asian factories, you know, four or five times a year working with all the big shoe brands that everybody knows. And um, one of the tasks was to put together a final product that could showcase our APX devulcanized rubber material in a shoe. Um, and so I put together, you know, our first line of sandals. And again, that sort of spiral out of control and people wanted to buy them. So we, we spun it off and turned that into its own consumer brand, lifestyle brand company. So you've got the, the, the big company that is is creating the rubber or, or recapturing it from old tires and recreating it. And then you actually have a consumer goods company. Absolutely. How do you balance those two things together? <laughs> I don't know. I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's the team for, for everything, every piece of company or every company that I've done, it's always the, the, the team that I, you know, fill in next to me and beneath me. It's, um, you know, they say, you know, you don't build a great business, you hire good people and those people build a great business. And, um, uh, it's really just been getting out, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been sort of a great networker. I'm easy to talk to. I love getting out and meeting people that, uh, don't necessarily have anything in common with me. And, um, um, you know, through doing that, I get to learn about these new industries that we eventually start businesses in. And in doing that, the networking is meeting great people who are equally excited about what we're doing and they want to be a part of it. And so, you know, filling in the uh, the, the gaps has really been, I guess, the right way to balance it and, and have the greatest people doing the most effective work at each level. So it sounds like you've always been entrepreneurial. Did you ever have sort of a, a real job in, in corporate America? Well, um, other than being in the gyms, I mean, I was, you know, I was a director and, and I, di- I did ran operations for about nine years before uh, 2007, before I got linked up with, with, with the group I'm with now. So, you know, and that was more just kind of a standard you know, I had a paycheck and I had my job and I had my title and I kind of did what I did. Um, I was always sort of a hungry, eager, you know, um, enthusiastic guy, but um, I never really would have thought that this is where I would be. I mean, it was not, this was not the plan from day one. This was incredibly accidental. It was I was in the right place at the right time and I was surrounding myself by the right people. And it was really, I mean, when you hear about the chain of events of how this happened, a couple buddies of mine that I knew from the gym 
his next door neighbor's brother was one of our original inventors. And so it was just this sort of perfect storm that, you know, you can't plan these types of things. They just sort of happen and you got to be opportunistic and ready to jump at something when you, when you, you know, when something comes knocking and that's, it was all accidental. That, that's really all I can say. But along the way, you went and got your MBA. So as someone who has their MBA, how much do you think of being entrepreneurial and running a business and growing a business like you've done? How much of it is sort of the classroom side? And how much of it is that serendipity? Like, oh my gosh, if they had bought a different house, they wouldn't have lived next door to that inventor. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. And I, I, I'm a numbers guy. I always tend to to, to fall back on probabilities and uh, my first thought when you asked that was, you know, the whole nature versus nurture. So so the education in the classroom versus getting your hands dirty. I guess if I had to put a number on it, I would say uh, 30% classroom, 70% getting in and actually doing something. And 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 let me tell you why I'm, I'm telling you those numbers. Um, the 30%, I think whoever wants to be an entrepreneur, depending on what type of business you get in, there is a base sort of a baseline or a foundational set of business knowledge that's that's just basic and foundational and and sort of you need to understand you know you need to understand financial statements and accounting and stuff that you know once you get in it's not really that complicated but you do need to take the time to learn it whether it's on your own through an online course or you know actually going to school for an MBA program but so that's the 30% I think you need that to be able to do well because um, one things one of the things that I've done really well at is um, hiring people that are smarter than me. And the only way I can know if they're smarter than me or or not is to get in their industry and learn that baseline, that foundational knowledge about who they are and what they're doing and why they could add value to us. So, um, but but and then going back to the seventy percent, nothing, nothing, nothing replaces getting in and getting your hands dirty. And and that's one thing I would that that's done had you know worked wonders for me and that I would tell any entrepreneur, be ready to get in, get dirty, you know, um, just start. Start somewhere. Put one foot forward, get down there, get dirty, and 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 you'll see things start happening quickly. So early on when you were giving your background, you brought something up that sort of pinged in my head, and that was that, you know, you moved around a lot because your dad was was in the military. And both on this show and just conversations that I have with entrepreneurs, that's not an uncommon background. It seems that a lot of people who grew up as, you know, quote-unquote a military brat moving around to different places, it seems a lot of them developed sort of an entrepreneurial bug. You said, hey, I was always kind of gregarious and outgoing and like to talk to people. Do you think some of that came from that moving around a lot? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I remember when I was really young, you know, young elementary school, it was, it was tough for me. Our first, you know, first couple moves, you know, you're being uprooted from your elementary school and, and, you know, the few friends you have, you're now, you know, distant from them. And back then we didn't have email and Facebook and all that. That's right. So you couldn't just... like you could keep in touch with, 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 with your friends. <laughs> right. um, so that was, I remember that being difficult for me, but I think I sort of overcame that adversity and in overcoming that it helped me grow to, you know, I'll walk up to a complete stranger at the airport and, and talk to them about their hairstyle or something silly like that. You know, I mean, so I absolutely, I think uh, moving around and being forced to make new friends and get out there and and, and just meet new people uh, definitely had a big impact on me being so outgoing now. So, Greg, what do you love 
about the life of being an entrepreneur? So it's a, it's a, a double-edged sword here, I guess. And, and it kind of goes back to one of your questions about wearing so many hats and how do you balance? I, I love that I get to wear so many hats. Um, I have been described as a sponge most of my life. I, I'm just a naturally curious guy. And wearing all of these different hats um, allows me to learn about more things. And that's, I'm, I'm sort of always learning. Um, you know, I, I like to just jump in and get dirty and, and learn as much as I can. Like I said, hire people that are smarter than me, especially on some of the more technical aspects of, of some of the businesses I'm working with now, chemical engineering, statistical analysis, stuff like that. Um, but, but wearing the multiple hats allows me to sort of spin back and forth from, you know, finance to, uh, I like numbers to business development. I like talking to people and, and relationship building um, and all that while sort of keeping an eye on the overall strategy of of, of the company and, and what direction we're headed. So is there anything you don't love? Are there any days you wake up and think, I could still be managing a gym? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, I guess the, the, the main thing that I struggle with at times is managing the risk and uncertainty of uh, the decisions you're faced with, the direction of the company, um, investor relations, sort of how things are going. Um, we're, we're all, our companies are all private family offices. You know, we don't have any VC funding. So um, we need to manage those relationships as well. And there's, we're sort of the buffer for this risk and uncertainty. And that's just sort of something that I've had to become more comfortable with over time is, you know, making decisions and sometimes very last minute or split second decisions with only limited information. And I think in a lot of business decisions, the goal is always to de-risk everything as much as possible. When you're working in a small group in a nimble setting like this, a lot of times you cannot de-risk it. And so you've got to you know, go to the gut and say, what do I do here? And you've got to be confident about your decision. You've got to stick to it. So I know from chatting with you before we started this interview, I know you also have a young family. And so with the travel, you know, you mentioned that your your shoes are manufactured in Asia and, you know, a lot of the, the customers you're going to have who are going to be creating products out of the rubber that you are recreating, so to speak, you know, a lot of those are international companies. So I know you're on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you balance the whole thing of, you know, being an entrepreneur with several companies and several investments combined with raising a family? Yeah, Um you know, it's 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 a family affair. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, I could not do this by myself without my, you know, my supportive team, my supportive family behind me. And, um, you know, everybody's got to buy in because uh, you don't have that support at home and it's going to make things very, very difficult for you to succeed and do well because, you know, a lot of times things things take a long time to happen. I mean, um for, for, for some intents and purposes, you know, we're sort of a mature startup and we're seven or eight years into this. And so, so sometimes things don't happen quickly and you've got to have that support. Um, I've been very fortunate to have great support. I use email and texting and I'm FaceTime with my kids all the time. So, um, you know, I, we talk about it. I mean, yeah, my kids are very young and so my youngest wouldn't understand the conversation, but um, – you know, we're, we're just open and, and we keep clear communication um, and um, try to stay in touch as much as possible. Although um, in China, I'm sort of off the grid most of the time. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So 
it, do, it does make it tough. It does make it tough. Well, I think you bring up interesting point and really good advice, and that is you just got to have the conversation. So I didn't travel when my kids were really, really young or, or certainly not at the level I do now. But, you know, my kids were, I don't know, you know, I started this six years ago. They were 12 and 7 when I started my speaking business and started traveling quite a bit. And just like you, I couldn't have done it if my wife wasn't supportive. But then I always talked to the kids about it. And I remember one of my kids, you know, her joke was when somebody says, oh, your dad travels all the time, you know, she would say, well, that's how daddy buys the toys. You know, that, that <laughs> they, they sort of understood that, you know, I made money when I was on the road. So while they liked having me around, they also liked having, you know, things like food and shelter and clothes and toys. And so I just communicated with them. And I now have a daughter who is a college student and she's a business major. And we've always talked about business. Now, I'm a solopreneur and she's majoring in international business. So there's a big gap between sort of what daddy does and what she's learning and what she wants to go do. But, you know, she says her favorite class is her international business class. And she told me, she goes, this is why I went to college. You know, she has spent her whole life interested in business. And sometimes I think part of that is because we just always talked about it. It was never, business was never a weird thing. Business was, you know, sort of part of what we talked about because I wanted to start one and then I had one and they had to be part of it to make it work. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, it just sort of, you know, a lot of business is just almost common sense when you kind of get into it. So it is, it's something very easy to talk to about, you know, with your, with your college age daughter. And, and that's great. That's, that's awesome. You do that for her. So, well, yeah. And when we started, I mean, she remembers sitting around the table with me and some of my entrepreneurial friends, you know, from the time she was eight or nine years old. And some people might say, well, that's weird to let the eight year old sit at the table and chat business. But she soaked it up like a sponge, and she loved it, and early on decided that that's what she wanted to do. And mm-hmm. and her goal isn't necessarily startups. She wants to work for big companies and help grow them larger. But you know, part of that comes from the fact that business is not something that's ever seemed out of reach for her because it's you know she's always heard it talked about. That's great. That's great. Yeah. No, it's um, that's wonderful. Good. I, I hope she does well. I'm sure she will with with you uh, uh, you know leading her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's on her own now, but but you know hopefully we did well to this point. So, Greg, tell me, you know, what is it that you would say to somebody who's listening? Maybe right now they're out there and they're managing a gym or they're working at the Gap or or they're yep. doing something and they're thinking, God, I want to be like this guy. This guy took a leap. I mean, if you think about it, you were managing, managing a gym and now you're owning and operating essentially chemical companies and product companies, you know, and they're like, wow, I want to do something like that. What advice do you have for that person who wants to go start their own thing? Well, um, that's, that's a good question. I think there's sort of a, a small handful of things that I, I would say. Um, you need to find something you're passionate about and, and you believe in. Um, because if you're not, then that means you're doing it for the money. And like I said earlier, the money might not come soon or ever. So you, you can't do it for the money or you'll lose steam um, you've got to be passionate about it or you'll lose steam. Uh, you also need to be ready to jump in and get your hands dirty. Um, y- you know, it's sort of, you know, you lead, you lead who's next to you, you lead who's behind you and everybody's down there. It's a level playing field when you're, when you're a startup company, you know, everybody's getting in and, and pulling their weight. So be ready to get in, get your hands dirty. Uh, I think surrounding yourself with interesting people and, and, and I say interesting, not not brilliant or intelligent. That Those are nice things to have as well. But I think when you surround yourself with interesting people, you're getting some of the spice in life. And, and sometimes for me, that just sort of makes life more fun and exciting and, and, and worth living. And when 
you jump in and you're following your dream or your passion to, you know, have some startup company, enjoying life is, 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 is very important. People will burn out. They burn out every day. Um, and it's important to have some interesting people around you to keep things, uh, you know, to keep things interesting. And, and the last thing I'll say is you need to stay hungry in the words of, of Arnold, you need to stay hungry and you need to stay true to, to your beliefs and who you are. Because even with at small companies, there will be times where you're faced with difficult choices and decisions. Um, and I think it's very, very important to stay true to you know, who you are um, and, and hold on to your beliefs. See, I think all of that is great advice, and I'm going to go back and, and cling on to the one piece that really resonated with me, and that is surround yourself with interesting people. And you're right, because a lot of people just want to sort of what I call sort of network up. They just want to surround themselves with uh, more successful people or people who can do something for them. And that sort of limits yourself. If you're only surrounding yourself with people who can help you, it's really kind of selfish, first of all. But I think your word of interesting people, it really resonated with me because everyone can be interesting if, if they try, right? I mean, we all have different backgrounds and different things. So if you surround yourself with people who are committed to whatever it is they're doing, I think that they become thus interesting. And if, if you think, if you're listening to this and you think, well, God, I don't hang out with that many interesting people, in a way you do because you're listening to this podcast and I assume several other podcasts. And that's one of the great things about the age of technology is even if you can't get in the same room with somebody like Greg Merrill, you get a half hour with him here while you're driving or while you're at the gym. And, you know, he's doing really interesting things. And so that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is I get to bring interesting people to the listeners. But the other side is, a little selfish, I get to meet the interesting people because, you know, someone we know uh, who was a past guest on this show, Steve Gingrich, Steve recommended that I meet you. And I tend not to just like to throw everybody on the show if I know nothing about them. And, and truthfully, I didn't know about Austin Foot Labs and I didn't know uh, about Austin Rubber Company. So Greg and I met for breakfast and, and we spent about 90 minutes together just talking about life. And I walked away saying, wow, you know, this guy is interesting. And, you know, so that's one of the advantages to me in hosting the show is either by phone or by Skype or like at breakfast, like we did in person. I get to surround myself with more interesting people than I probably would on a regular basis. So for those of you who are listening, it's not that hard. You don't even have to start a podcast to be able to go to breakfast with somebody interesting. Just let the people in your network know you're looking to surround yourself with people who are doing different things, and they'll connect you. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's definitely a, uh, a nice benefit to the work you're doing now and, and, and the space that you've created for yourself. And, and I will say that... Um, you know, I, I truly believe that helping other people is is good for everybody. You know, e even for me, sometimes I feel selfish. I mean, I, I have a, a lot of other sort of friends and family members that come to me with ideas and say, hey, I, I, I'm thinking about starting this business or I'm thinking about doing this. And I'll get down there and help them. You know, let's do a business plan. Let's let's talk through. Let's brainstorm. What are what are some things you need to think about that you haven't thought about? You know, where where's your funding coming from? What's this and what's that? And so that sort of, you know, free help that I give is just something that makes me feel good. So it's almost a little selfish, kind of like it, what you were saying. And I will say to the listeners, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a fantastic tool to meet new people. Do not feel shy or afraid to reach out to me. I love meeting new people every day. And, um, you know, please 
don't hesitate reaching out to me for, for anything. See, and I think that that goes back, and, and listeners heard me quote this a million times before, but the old Zig Ziglar quote, which I think is just really profound, is you can have anything you want in this world if you just help other people get what they want in this world. Yes. And so often we live in this world that's very narcissistic. We're very caught up in social media and, hey, look at me. Listen to my podcast. Read my book. You know, I'm guilty of this. You know, everybody, we're all like, clamoring to get those eyeballs or those earbuds to listen to what it is that we have to talk about. But I find the more I just put that aside and help other people, whether it's, you know, through connecting them with people or it's really getting down and, and really, you know, getting my hands dirty and helping them, that's when the business comes to me. And what the funniest part of the whole thing is it's usually not the person I helped who then hires me to speak at their conference or hires me to coach them. It's usually someone on the sideline who's watching and says, I want to get a piece of that. And those people will come and be the ones who hire me. And it's like, wow, if I hadn't helped that person, they wouldn't have known I existed, and they hired me. And yet, helping that person wasn't so that someone would hire me, and yet I got hired. And it's this weird little ongoing circle. When you're helping others, more stuff comes your way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how things seem to, to fit together like that. And, and there's so many stories like that that – you know, it's being out and, and, and being a good person. You know, people people respect that. People see that. Yeah, and there's just – I don't think that there's any room for jerks anymore. I mean I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the bad guys used to get ahead. But boy, it's such a transparent world now. If you're a jerk, people are going to figure it out. And you know what? There's a nice guy down the road that they can do business with. You know, that's funny you, you, you bring that up. Um, I, I, I'll just like to – a little mention. There's a, a PR firm that we're working with and they have a – their sort of tagline is no jerks. <laughs> um, and, and it's SPM uh, communications up out of Dallas. And I, I love it. I mean, I just, I love that, you know, that no jerks, we're not going to work with jerks. And, you know, if you're a jerk, don't bother coming knocking. So anyway, I, That's I like your, your, your use of the word jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg, I've got a couple more questions for you. And, and I think that you're providing a lot of really good value to the listeners, but right now I got to take a break and thank my sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. I'll tell you, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Greg Merrill. If you're thinking of starting your own podcast, and I know a lot of you are because I get those emails from the listeners, Really, go ahead and go to podfly.net slash cool things. They have a special offer for the listeners, but just email them and ask them questions. One of my listeners told me, oh, I don't want to bother them. I'm not really ready yet. And I said, just reach out to them. They'll answer your questions. And he wrote me back and said, I can't believe how helpful they were. And it fast forwarded everything he was dreaming of doing with this podcast. So I know that they don't just say they're helpful. I know it because they're helpful to me, but I know it because they're helpful to my listeners. So, Greg, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So now's the time for you to tell everybody the coolest things that you're doing with your companies. So for that question, I will focus on uh, our latest uh, uh, company, Austin Footwear Labs. And the most simple explanation possible, we take scrap tires, which are otherwise landfilled or burned, and we repurpose and convert those into cool-looking, high-performance footwear. Scrap tires is a major global environmental issue. Um, we've been working on that also at the Austin Rubber level, and now Austin Footwear Labs gives us a chance to 
sort of come to you know a consumer. It's a, it's a B2C business and we can come to the consumer. We're on social media. We've got our website. You know, we're selling an actual product and we are putting our, our passion and our commitment to doing something to make this earth a better place and we're making it into a product that anybody can buy and wear for some comfortable, cool sandals around town. So I saw you on TV the other day talking about the sandals, and they had samples there. And I wasn't able to make it to your launch party a couple weeks back, so I hadn't actually seen them. In my mind, when I thought old tires become flip-flops, I remember back in the 1970s, people actually took old tires and cut them out. They saw the treads on the bottom, and they you know, made them into a flip-flop. And I kind of had this thought that they were going to be black and rubbery and, and all that. And all of a sudden, these are stylish designer shoes. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that whole idea of sort of cutting the tread pieces out of tire, folks are even still doing that now. Mostly you, we see that sort of in Africa where, you know, they're not doing much with their scrap tires. Our goal with Austin Footwear Labs was to take our passion for using and promoting sustainable and eco-friendly uh, components or materials like the APX rubber with a good-looking shoe that's also high performance. And so, you know, these these shoes are made in the same facility as the top, top brands in the world. I mean, these are, you know, these are the highest quality footwear possible. Um, and, and, and our sort of QA, QC, our requirements for having, um, you know, performance footwear are the highest that we've ever seen in the entire world. So it was eco-friendly, good looking and high performance at, at a price that, you know, is, is affordable. I mean, the, the, um, the guys we're competing with are, you know, 120 to 150 dollars a pair, and we're half of that. We're at 70. So it's, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get people to to buy into and support us on our mission that we're doing. Well, and they're not just black. They come in all sorts of colors. In fact, uh, I noticed that they came in burnt orange for the local the local Austin crowd, the University of Texas fans. That's right. Yeah, and and, and it's not a, an exact burnt orange match. We uh, we got <laughs> well, as close as possible. Well, but, there's a copyright uh, involved with the exact one. I think actually. Um, I, you know, the, the, we're doing some work on that. So I. I can't say much on that, but um, it is, um, I think it is almost kind of open source. As long as you're not using the name or the uh, the Longhorns logo, I think uh, gotcha. the color is sort of open source. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I, I will I will look forward to uh, getting myself a pair of uh, the Austin Footwear Labs flip-flops because they look great. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing the Espressos right now. They sort of, they're, it's, a, it's a nice soft leather. Um, anyway, these and the Red River colors are are my personal favorites. And and surprisingly enough, women have been the, the biggest buyers. Um, I, I mean, I think women buy a lot more footwear and shoes than men, but um, women have been buying them for themselves and for, you know, their, their kids or their husband or whoever. Great. So, Greg, we could talk about you all day long, but I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask my guests, who do you see out there outside of your company who's doing something cool? So the person I think I'd like to mention here is my uncle. It's my father's brother and my father's Mexican. And um, he, you know, he was the only one who kind of moved away from Mexico. All my family on my father's side lives in um, a small town called San Miguel de Allende. It's a, it's a beautiful little town in, in uh, central Mexico. My uncle 
um, was a vet down there, and he still is for many years. And and what I'd like to say about him and um, how he's been sort of an, a, a, a cool entrepreneur in my eyes is his perspective on opportunity. Um, this guy will take anything, and I mean anything, and turn it into an opportunity to not only help himself but help somebody else. So it kind of goes back to that, you know, giving back to others as well. Um, nothing is is below this guy. He's, you know, he's in his 60s and he's just been doing this forever. He drives back and forth from central Mexico to, to Texas. He does everything from, you know, he gets on eBay and he's buying products for some American expats down in San Miguel. And he's has, you know, some Mexican um folks and workers up here in, in the Austin area. Um, and so I, I think, uh, again, it's his perspective on opportunity, not that, you know, people shouldn't sit back and, and kind of wait for something to come their way. Um, you've got to be open-minded. You've got to be creative. You've got to be willing to get your hands dirty. And, and these are things that uh, my uncle Tito does on a daily basis. Um, and on top of that, he's just the most laid back guy I've ever met. And I think that's part of his appeal and, and why people sort of are attracted to him, that he's just sort of a, a laid back kind of chill guy. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. And I think when we can learn from, you know, some of the relatives and some of our elders, you know, and then take that into sort of, you know, the big business world, I think that's when great things happen. So I think that's cool that you talked about your uncle. Yeah. So the other thing I love to ask everybody who comes on this show is what do you do to give back? Because again, I don't think entrepreneurs are just about making the money or growing their companies. I think they want to somehow do good and leave a mark. So what do you do? So I'll mention two things here. One, at the company level. So at Austin Footwear Labs, we partnered up with Bat Conservation International, and they are sort of co-headquartered in Austin, Texas and Washington, D.C. You know, they're sort of like a lobbying organization, but they are fighting for the conservation of, of bats. And Austin is, is a natural place for them to be because Austin is home to the largest urban bat population in the U.S. And we love our bats here in Austin. We love our bats. And actually, in the Austin Footwear Labs logo, you will see a stylized bat. So we've teamed up with them, and, and, and we've sort of given money towards their conservation efforts. Um, and and so, you know, we're keeping it local. We're Austin-based. We're trying to help out other austin based companies that have, you know, similar missions or strategies. So that's at Austin Footwear Labs. And and me personally, um, I, I don't know why, but I've sort of always focused and geared my energy towards helping out with different homeless um, resource centers. And so we've got a great one arch here in Austin and um, most of my work there, they have a, a computer lab that was donated by Dell. And this is a, a center where they help folks deal with any legal issues they're going through, get in touch with lawyers, um, and also work on resumes and how to get these homeless folks that, that may not have a job back into the workforce. And this is, you know, this is not management, it's not strategy. This is me getting in on the ground floor, sitting down one on one with somebody who really just needs some help. And, and providing some guidance and some, some, some help to them. And so that's sort of – and again, I, I can't tell you why, but that's sort of been my personal passion um, and, and trying to help out 
with the homeless population, uh, especially here in Austin. Well, and I bet you've had some situations where just simple help has really been able to impact someone's life. Absolutely. I mean, some of these people are so rock bottom that even a friendly smile and and a nice conversation, you can see the impact that has. You know, when you see someone's eyes light up like that, you just you feel good about the world. You know, you feel like everything's going to be okay. So you bring something up that that sort of touches me, and that is you're not even sure why that's your cause. I talk to so many people who say, well, I'm still waiting to find my cause, and and thus they're not necessarily doing anything. And I have a a story. I mean we donate all part of my speaking fees to uh, two different funds for research for cranial facial abnormalities for kids born with, you know, issues of the bone and the the soft palates. Because my daughter was born, she had to have her entire skull rebuilt when she was six months old. And we were very, very fortunate. We got connected with some of the best doctors in the world. At the time, we didn't have state-of-the-art facilities 13 years ago in Austin, Texas. So we had to go to Children's Hospital of San Diego. And then a few years later, they opened up the Austin Dell Children's Medical Center. And we've taken in those two, they have both hospitals where we were up, where Kate was operated on, and then here in our local city, they have great doctors who are doing amazing research for kids born with cranial facial abnormalities. And it's something like one in three to four thousand kids are born with some level of a cranial facial, you know, problem. And not everybody has to have surgery at the level Kate did, where they rebuilt, you know, the, her entire skull. But that's our cause. And and people say, well, you're. Somebody told me you're lucky because you have a cause like that. I'm like, I don't know that I would say we were lucky. <laughs> You know, I mean, she's 13 years old and she's fabulous and she's smart and she's beautiful and she has bones all the way across the top of her head. You know, it grew back just fine. But people are like, oh, you're so lucky because you were able to find your cause that you donate to. And I often think, well, it's I don't, I don't think you have to go through a tragedy to find a cause. And so I think it's fantastic that you sort of pointed out there, hey, I don't even know why this is my cause, but this is my cause. And so if someone's listening, pick something. You know, you can always change to something different later. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's, that's just the way I look at it. I mean, that's something that I've just been doing probably for the past seven or eight years. And you know what, tomorrow I might decide that somebody else needs my help and I, I'll turn there, you know, and, and, you know, so the other, the other thing I'm doing is I'm always looking to join um, nonprofit boards, especially here locally in Austin as, uh, again, another way of giving back. And so, and that, that might not necessarily be for a homeless type shelter or resource center, um, but, but that is something that I've sort of always have my ears and eyes open to any sort of nonprofit board that, that does need help that I can provide. So would your advice for an entrepreneur who wants to get involved, would you be kind of, you know, steal from Nike and tell them just do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get in, get dirty and, and do something, do something because nothing's gonna, gonna show up on your doorstep. Um, you know, be opportunistic, make something happen, get in and find something to do and go do it. So, Greg, you've been a great guest. I think that this episode is so full of advice for the listeners of this show. So, first of all, I would like to say thank you for being here with us and for sharing so much about your life and your journey and your sure. entrepreneurship experiences. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this uh, this is wonderful. I, I always love talking about what we're doing, um, you know, and I appreciate you, you know, giving us the platform to, to have this conversation. Um, I think what you're doing is wonderful, and I appreciate you, you know, bringing us into the fold. 
So if somebody listened to this and they say, I, I got to know more about Greg, you mentioned they can find you on LinkedIn. It's Greg Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. And yep. if they want to find out more about Austin Rubber Company, or if they want to get those really cool flip-flops, they want some shoes from Austin Footwear Labs, how can they find that? Absolutely. Our websites are, are, are the best way. And um, austinrubber.com is the, uh, the sort of the more B2B where we are producing the APX recycled rubber uh, I've got a little, I think I've got a bio on there and my emails on there as well. Uh, and then for the sandals, um, austinfootwear.com, F O O T W E A R.com. Um, we're also on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google plus all that. So we are, we're, we're pretty easy to find. If you mm-hmm. Google Austin footwear, we're the first hit. Well, great. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And for everybody who stuck with us and listened all the way to the end, thank you for being here. You know, I always say the show wouldn't exist without the listeners. And if you are listening, go over to the Facebook page and join the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Facebook page. I really want to start seeing some dialogue go on over there and people share ideas and, and, and you know, I'll answer any questions that you have. You can also email me at tom at tomsinger.com. That's T-H-O-M at thomsinger.com. Follow us on Twitter. And if you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review because it's so important for a show to continuously get reviews in order to be able to rank. And and when you rank in iTunes, that's how new listeners find the show. So share the love with me a little bit. If you are uh, a fan of the show, jump over and just leave a, a quick positive review about why others should listen. And I will forever, forever be grateful for you for doing that. So we're going to be back in a couple of days where we'll interview someone else who is cool But in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.